It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up? lacrosse fans welcome back to lax class here on the lacrosse flash podcast network for ep 187 of lacrosse classified jake elliott and tino farah santino farah i was wondering if you were gonna say it (laughs) (laughs) welcome back man uh big program lined up Uh, let's get you in off the top here we'll tell the people what's going on here momentarily Uh, i know you're just uh returning back from uh vancouver island and Going to a wedding over there. You're you're playing hurt a little bit. Appreciate you stepping up here and, and getting it done. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great. It was a very small, intimate wedding. There was only like twenty five or thirty people there in uh, in our friend's parents' backyard mm. in uh, in Sydney on the on the other side of the water there. But yeah, they were doing. It was an open bar, and they each like the the bride and the groom had their like signature drinks. So I was drinking the. Uh, the groom's one was called like a cedar sour or something. And I was just like throwing those back all night. And then it was one of those situations where we're about to leave or about to go home. And all of a sudden it just like all hit me at once. I was like, this is not good. That's and then what happened this morning. To, that's what happened to Challenger when we went to Levy's uh, little soiree. <laughs> I was like, you know, he's fine, fine, fine. Then at the very end of the night, I'm looking around, I'm looking around. Where did Brad go? I walk outside to get my Uber, and there's Brad kind of sitting on the sidewalk, just head down between his <laughs> Brad, you oh okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Anyway, yeah. sorry. So and this morning was a little rough for you, right? Oh, yeah. This morning was I, – I kept saying to my girlfriend, Jen, like, just kill me. Please, just kill me. Like, my head has never hurt hurt that bad. My, it, my head hurt more when my eyes were closed. So I was trying to sit there with my eyes open, but then like if my eyes would move at all, they were like pounding just as oh, bad. So fun. eventually it got to the point where I tried showering. Uh, I tried just like pounding back water. Uh, I tried pulling the trigger just to try to get some of it out of my system. And then eventually I was like, I just, let's go for a walk. I need some fresh air. And then that made me feel okay, so well, much here, better. Here's some tips for you, youngster. <laughs> well, you're you're just kind of getting into the whole wedding season sort of thing, right? Like, you're at the age now where friends are starting to yep. start families and getting married. So this is just the beginning for you as far as how many weddings you're going to be going to in the coming <laughs> years. So, so here you go. The key, Tino, is to drink the water before you go to bed. So yep. when you get home, that's when you pound the water so you don't wake up with, like, a dog's tongue and, and just, you know, feel like you just licked a toilet or something. Yeah. So pound the water beforehand, and, and you got to pace yourself a little bit <laughs> as well. That's always that's always a key. Uh, yeah, my my friends and I, like, our, our move used to be, like, we, we would go – I don't know if you know what I mean when I say we pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, that making okay. yourself puke, right? Like, yeah, we would do that before we go to bed, even if we were feeling totally fine, just bad. to, like, guarantee that the next morning is going to go, like, a little bit more smooth. But And if you can't – if you forget to do all of that, the last resort, and, and it's a surefire cure, is you just start boozing again, man. <laughs> and oh it only God. takes you like one or two or three and you're right back in the group but those first two are 
are tough to get down, but that's that's how you cure a wicked hangover. You just start. Yeah, I was I was just like thinking this morning when we were on our walk, like we walked past a liquor store, and I was like, oh my god, I couldn't. If I even <laughs> stepped inside there, I would feel sick. But I was like thinking, like, man, I've been to like country music festivals in the states where you're drinking for like four days straight, and I was just like thinking this morning, like. How in the world? Like, I don't think I could ever do that again. No, like, no. it sounds I'm so done exhausting. With that. I'm so done with that. I'm so glad <laughs> I don't uh, deal with that nonsense anymore. Um, I spent most of my weekend surrounded by lacrosse. Uh, did a little coaching of the Semiamu Bantam Girls Ooh. on Friday night out there at Cam Neely Arena. And Pitt Meadows, for that matter, for the Rainstorm Tournament. Uh, so that was a lot, lot of fun. Uh, coaching the young girls there. And then uh, out Maple Ridge Sunday night for Shamrocks and Berards. Didn't have a game on Saturday. So went and watched, uh, watched the girls game and then uh, took in Top Gun on Saturday night. Have you seen Top Gun yet? I haven't. How was it? Everyone, I keep hearing it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, I wouldn't. The original for me is, is where it's at. It's essentially <laughs> the same movie, just modernized but i mean like they still got the kenny loggins music and all the same theme songs and everything and of course you know maverick's there but he's like 30 years older but they you know instead of doing the topless sweaty beach ball volleyball scene it was it was football this time around running topless. Oh, yeah. so you know it was a scent <laughs> that the love interest was there goose's kid i don't want to give it all away but it was essentially top gun all over again. Just a remake, essentially. Yeah. 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 But, it, it, you know, it was good. It was good. Good enough. I would give it a thumb and a half up. And what about, like, uh, you were coaching in the tournament. How did the team do? Well, Tino, not not, not great. Uh, <laughs> you know, this it's a unique situation, which might get me off on a bit of a tangent here. You know, this this team that my girlfriend's daughter plays on is a team that's been combined together. Uh, from the Delta organization and the semi-amateur organization because there just wasn't enough girls to have a team for each organization. Yeah. And this has kind of been the case for Langley and Surrey. Even New West uh, has has had to do this. Burnaby has is, is taken on Vancouver. So it's it's unfortunate because in, in the beginning of the season, they were playing in the B division, and they were rolling teams pretty good. They got, you know, they got a few good players and a really good goalie, and they were beating up on teams in the B division. So they got bumped up to A, but now they're playing in the A division against the Berards and the Adnacks and, and the Saints and these programs that have been around for a long time and it actually had, like, tryouts for their A teams, and they're good. Like, they're really, really good. So now they're getting pumped in A. So they're kind of in, like, this no-man's land of – being maybe a little bit too good for B, but not being quite good enough for A. So it's been a bit of a, a wacky season. They got a lot of wins early and, and have gotten a lot of losses late. But my, I guess my concern is that, you know, the girls' registration is down across the country as far as lacrosse goes. And when you're dealing with 13, 14-year-old girls that are losing 7, 8 nothing, they don't want to come to practice the next day and they're not sure if they're feeling okay to play in the game the next day. And so this is concerning to me that, you know, we may lose kids because they're not tiered properly at the end of the day, but 
like I said, that's probably a, a, another story for another time. But I just, uh, at that age and that level, you just want them to come back and to have fun while they're there. And sometimes that's difficult to accomplish with all the things that go on, go on and behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, when I, so I haven't coached in a couple of years, but when, when I was and and we have like that parent meeting after you, you select all your players for your team and everything, just to welcome everybody to the team. That was always, that was always like one of the first things that I would say to the, the kids and their parents was like, obviously like, like we want to win and everybody like winning is fun and stuff like that. But the most important thing is that like, is that everybody wants to come back and play again next season. Yeah, so yeah, that is, that is really tough when you're in a situation where all of a sudden there's a ton of losing us. Well, so. yeah. Like, and, and I bring all that up because during the tournament, they know they're going up against the best team in the tournament and it's yeah. like a Saturday afternoon and you know, maybe I, I have something better to do that day. And, and so you know, the game I coached, they had eight runners. And oh, my God. It was tough. You know, it's tough. So, anyways, uh, I hope I hope everybody that played this year plays again next year and, and they get a few more bodies back after that as well. Tino, we got a huge program lined up for you here this week on EP 187. Of course, here in quarter one, we're going to talk about the NLL finals that got underway. We're going to have our Stampede Stallions, of course. And in quarter number two, Evan is going to hop on with me because, well, you got stuck in ferry traffic. And I don't know if any of this is going to make sense, but we recorded quarter two before quarter one. And Evan's going to join me to talk to John Tavares, the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits in quarter two. Quarter three, the voice of the NLL on TSN, John Abbott, is going to join me all alone. For a one-on-one in quarter three, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Abs. And then quarter four, Evan will come back. We'll do lax class locks and uh, maybe kick a couple other topics around as well. So a big program lined up. But here in quarter number one, I don't know where you want to begin, Tino. Maybe we begin close to home here in our neck of the woods as a little news coming out of, well, not a little news, but... Some news coming out of Vancouver Warriors camp as GM Dan Richardson has made a coaching change as no longer with the team are Chris Kill and Caleb Toth, which I actually happened to to see both out there at the Rainstorm Tournament this weekend. I had a chance to talk to Caleb. I didn't have a chance to talk to Gilly. But the fact that they were out there coaching their kids after losing their jobs with the Warriors, I mean, just kind of tells you what these guys are all about. But I guess give me your initial thoughts when you heard the news that Gil and Toth were out. Uh, my initial thoughts were like, damn, that sucks. Cause I, um, I'm a big fan of Chris Gill. Um, and I liked a lot of what the offense for the Warriors looked like this season. So I, you know, like lacrosse is such a, is a sport that's so heavily dependent on like improvising when you're out there. But I have to imagine that some of the stuff that, that Caleb Toth was doing was, you know, playing a factor obviously you also have to understand this is a business and the team wasn't successful in an important stretch of the season. They lost their playoff spot. A change has to be made somewhere. It, it's unfortunate that, you know, it, it has to be two of the guys in the coaching staff. If I'm not mistaken, I, Curtis Hodgson is staying. He's still he is, yeah. staying as the D coach. So yeah, I guess they're, they're on the hunt now uh, for a, for a new head coach, but yeah, it's un- unfortunate that, two of those guys 
Yeah, uh, I mean, just two Class A individuals, people and coaches. And I know it was not a, an easy day for for, sure. for the boss to have to make that decision. And, you know, like you said, Tina, unfortunately, when when you go through a year like that, it's always going to be the coach before anybody else, right? And And that's just kind of the nature of professional sports is that when it comes time for change, you can't switch out the whole roster. So the easiest and and probably what's the word I'm looking for most logical move is to change your coach and as a GM as we know most GMs will get at least two coaching hires before they have to kind of start looking over their shoulder as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I you know was was the head coach the issue? Was the offensive coach the issue? I'm not so sure on that. You know, it, again I go back into the to the Jones injury and the Hammer Jackson injury, which I think played huge roles in in Vancouver's record. I think a few more stops from their goalies would have surely helped. I keep thinking about those two Colorado leads that got away from them. And things could have been so much different for the Warriors this season. But I know, you know, speaking with Dan, that he's looking in the mirror. Ken Thomas is looking in the mirror. Curtis Hodgson's looking in the mirror. That whole roster, front office staff, all of it. Nobody's happy there with with the record that they had this season. And it's expected from above that improvement needs to happen. So that that was the cause, I think, is that there was some some pressure from above saying, like, we have higher expectations than what's being produced right now. And I've known Chris Gill for a long, long time. Long time. And he is a good coach. And I think he will get another opportunity. This isn't the end of the road for for he or Caleb. But they'll they'll do some growing and some learning from this as well. And they'll come back as better coaches. I have no no doubts about that. Yeah. If I can just add on as well to the, to the higher expectations, like I know it, obviously like it's, it's the Canucks and the Warriors, like two completely separate entities for the most part, but you see all the changes that are going on with the Vancouver Canucks and all these like new hires that they've been making. And there's yeah. this feeling around the Canucks right now of like, okay, we were awful for such a long time. That's unacceptable. And they're turning over a new leaf and there's a lot of optimism. I think now from the outside looking in, it's kind of a positive thing in a way, unfortunate that two guys had to lose their job, but it is kind of, kind of a positive thing that the organization is looking that looking at this and seeing the success that they had with the fan base and, and people getting more into it. And they're saying, okay, the product for the most part is there. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's not settle for mediocrity. So with hearing that, like I'm, I'm kind of excited again, unfortunate for Chris Gill and Caleb Toth, but I am excited to see what the changes that come are going to be and excited to see what the product looks like, looks yeah. like next season. Yeah. And I've heard one rumor on who the next head coach may be. And I'm not really wanting to say who that is because at this point it is strictly just a rumor. And quite frankly, I'm not so sure I believe the name or the source that it's coming from. So I'm just going to keep that one to myself, but Jake Elliott for head. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the search is on here. And usually when, when a new coach comes in, he will get to, to pick at least one of his guys to bring with him as well. Right. So we'll see who that is. I would expect uh, somebody to be in place surely before draft time comes around and uh, be interesting. Will they go after, you know, a, 
a kind of an established guy that his name has been around and, and, you know, is familiar with this league? Or will it be, you know, when we talk to Jimmy Quinlan, talking about maybe going after some younger, newer guys that haven't had a chance yet but have been real good coaches, whether it be a junior or senior or whatever coming up that are kind of knocking on the door to get a look. It's going to be interesting to see what direction they go in. Excited either way. Can't wait for next season. All right, so there's uh, Vancouver Warriors news. And I guess the other news here, Tino, is that game one of the NLL finals went down on Saturday night. And I don't know about you, man, but, you know, if you're a salesman for the National Lacrosse League and you're trying to – find corporate sponsorship or drive ticket sales or, you know, re-up your TV deal or whatever the case may be, all you have to do is just hand over any game that we have seen in the 2022 chase for the championship here. I cannot recall a stinker of a playoff game so far. Like, that game against Colorado was absolutely wild. Came down to the final seconds and a diving shot from McLaughlin that was saved by Vince. But then you go back to Buffalo and Toronto, and those games were literally decided in the final second of both of them. San Diego and Colorado was spectacular. Like the opening round, the the playoffs this year, Tino. I don't know if I've seen better lacrosse in my entire life. Like this has just been incredible. And again, I go back to it, having this thing on TV and people seeing the National Lacrosse League playoffs for the first time with 15K sitting in Banditland going berserk. How can you not get hooked on this? Oh, my God. Seeing it was legitimately giving me chills watching the crowd in Buffalo. I like I feel like I could have gotten emotional or something seeing how passionate that fan base is like, we already, we already know how excited they are about like Bill's mafia and, you know, like when the Sabres are good in the NHL, which hasn't been in like forever, like that fan base is pretty fired up, but to see all season, how this fan base has traveled to go and watch this team. And then now they get this home playoff game in the finals. And man, was that building sold out like that? I, I, I don't know. I had to squint to see an empty seat. Like yeah. that was unbelievable. And then just to your point about how the how unbelievable the playoffs in general have been this season, how many one-goal games have we had? Ugh. Like, these games are all nail-biters that, like you said, come down to the last second. Like, in this case, it was uh, Eli McLaughlin, like, diving and having to, you know, takes, like, a ton of contact. And Matt Vince having to make, like, a last-second save. Like, oh, my God, we are just, like, getting treated. Especially that coming off of Buffalo ha- having the ball – with under 30 seconds to go and the goal lead, and Smith can't get it over center in eight seconds, and there's a turnover and one final chance at the buzzer. Like, you, 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 just, you can't script stuff like this. And 15-14, Buffalo wins game one. They jump out to a 4-1 lead after the first quarter, and you thought, okay, here comes Buffalo. They're playing their best lacrosse. Colorado looked a little flat. They couldn't get it started. But then they go out and score seven in the second quarter. Buffalo still gets five. So what are we looking at here? A 9-8 game at halftime. And they play it dead straight up in the, in the second half here with three apiece in, in both third and fourth quarters here. And it comes down to Nick Weiss in oh transition. God. The Burrow boy 
I don't know how many goals he had this year, Tino. Maybe you can look that up. Maybe two or three, I want to say. But scores one on a breakaway with under a minute to go. And that's how the Buffalo Bandits win. Yeah, TN1 had seven points, including five goals. And, and he was, you know, dominant out there. But that's how the Bandits get it done. A Nick Weiss breakaway in the final minute of the game to win it. His only shot of the game. And you know what I liked as well? First is- star. Yeah, and well-deserved as well. But I like, like, Ian McKay was a center. Like, Ian McKay could have gone to the net sure. himself. I, and the, But he sees Nick Weiss in front of him, like, such an unselfish play. But you just, you love to see, like, the gritty guys that don't always show up on the scoreboard get an opportunity like that. That's got to be his biggest goal of his career. And just to see how fired up, McKay was for Weiss. <laughs> yeah. He's like picking him up and like holding him. Like it looked like a bully, like holding their, uh, I don't know, someone that they're bullying up against like the lockers or something. That's what it looked like McKay was doing yeah. with Weiss, but they're just like screaming in each other's faces. I was so happy for that situation. And I'm so jealous of the bandits fans that were there live. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Patty Gregoire, John Abbott calling that one. Uh, Burn daddy was in the house there with Gertler on the, on the radio broadcast as well, but they get seven. Seven points out of Nanacoke, seven out of Byrne, who scored just a ridiculous over-the-shoulder goal. Dane Smith with seven points as well. And Buffalo, they're just so much to handle on the offensive end. And and I think that, you know, like Byrne and Smith are going to get theirs. We know that. That's been proven time and time again. But when you can get a Nanacoke to step up for five, that's going to help you to a victory. It was pretty dead even in the faceoff dot. A low penalty affair here as well. Like three for Buff or three for Colorado. Only two penalties for Buffalo. So you know, a nice job officiating there and letting the boys settle it. Connor Robinson for for Colorado had a big one, nine points, but just not quite enough. And I didn't I didn't really think Vino or Ward were bad but i don't think they're particularly great in this game either both making 40 stops but 15 14 i'm sure both those guys would like to see that number down around 12 or 11 yeah and i think like if there's anything that we can probably count on is both of those guys to have bounce back games like you said like they weren't necessarily bad but they probably wasn't their greatest game either but i think in most of these situations where we've seen either of them you know, ha- have just like a kind of a mediocre game. The next game, they're both so prepared and, you know, they're tough goalies in general to get one past, but I think it's going to be even harder, you know, with Buffalo trying to close well, it this out. This is and, what and... scares me about quarter four in our lax class locks, Tino. Yeah. Just going to do a little foreshadowing there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so uh, we'll see I, uh, I don't know, seeing how somebody like seeing Dane Smith, how he's going and Josh Byrne and then like Zed Williams as well on the other side, yeah, like eight points for him. Yeah. Eight for for, foreshadowing. I, I like, I like the goals that are coming in. Yeah. How about uh, McIntyre scores the first goal of the game and <laughs> kind of stepping in there for Ryan Lee. Like he's been the guy that has filled Lee's spot when he went down. And a nice little three and two night there for McIntyre. And he's been kind of just sitting there waiting in the weeds. And now he's getting a, a legit shot. And, and I don't know, he's opening my eyes with it, with his play there, the, the Alberta kid. Yep. Got to take your opportunities when they come. And the only reason I was laughing there is because 
my uh, my bet from last weekend or from last week ah. is that Zed Williams is going to score the first goal of the game. He wasn't even out for their first uh, offensive possession. Tough. I know. I saw Tyson <laughs> Gibson out there, and, and the lady put down uh, a bet on, on him getting out. I was like, oh, he's out there. He's out there. And then McIntyre <laughs> scored, and he was, uh, he was part of the field, right? They listed about 15 guys and then said anybody else, and it, anybody else was – what won the bet there so unbelievable yeah tough one uh so buffalo takes game number one 15 14 game two goes this saturday from ball arena in denver all right you, you got a prediction here but we don't really talk about this later so maybe we should talk about it now what do you think is going to happen in game two um i think that colorado is going to get the dub and not that I'm rooting against Buffalo by any means. Like I'm completely impartial here. I'm happy with, with the as result I, either way, as I, no. but I, I need to see another game in Buffalo. <laughs> I need that in my veins. So I know the, the loud house uh, ball arena there, they're going to be going crazy. We already know that, but I feel like I'm going to be robbed if I don't get another game in the finals in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, why not extend it one more week? Who doesn't want a game to decide it all like that? Yeah. I, that's really what it's what it's all about at the end of the day. So we'll see what happens Saturday night. You know, the Loud House is going to bring it. And I think that that might help Colorado quite a bit. But we'll see. We shall see. Speaking of uh, needing it, uh, how about uh, you riding shotgun up at the Langley Event Center on Wednesday night with yours truly calling a little WLA? That was fun. Yeah, that was great. Um, the like the production crew and like the entire just the the entire works out there at the LA, out there at the LEC is just like top notch. Yeah. It, it's it. I felt like it was, I was doing like a professional game and you know, like they're so welcoming and obviously like I've done some games with you now. So that's pretty, uh, I'm, I'm pretty like familiar and comfortable with working with you. I didn't, I feel like I didn't have like necessarily my greatest game. Lots of summer left, you know, lots yeah, lots of summer. of summer left, but yeah, either way, like, like I've said to you, like a bunch of times, like I'm just trying to say yes to everything and just get as much experience as possible. And now that I've seen, like that, that was one of the booths that I, that I haven't seen yet. I hadn't been up there in the LEC before. So yeah. I'm just like marking that off the bucket list. There's another go. one that I've got to see. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to remember when I got back in there, the last time that I was in there and I've spent a lot of time in that booth <laughs> doing Riverman and Thunder and all the rest of it. But, uh, I think it was the gold medal game in 2019. It was that long of a gap in between calling games at the LEC. So it was good to be back there. Good to be back at Queens Park and at the Palace Emporier. And I still have yet to get in the swamp, but that'll come up this week as well as WLA is uh, in full go mode. And I could not be happier about it. Speaking of going, Tino, you know where we're going now. It's the Stampede Tax Stables. <laughs> I need like the I, I need the cups to do the Yeah, the, well you just do this the tongue smack like, You can do it. <laughs> Alright, Stampede Stables. It's time for Stallions of the Week. Brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. The NLL Finals are underway now. Buffalo just one win away, but it's a good time to remind you that Stampede Tack and Western Wear can ship coast to coast. 
So if you're cheering on your team in Colorado or Buffalo or wherever it may be, be sure to check out Stampede Tack online for one of the largest boot selections in Canada. Whether for work or play, you'll find it at Stampede Tack in Western Wear or out there in Cloverdale. They've been there since 1966. Shop online, stampede.ca. Boots. Any kind of boot you can imagine, Tino. Stampede Tack. You got to get out there. I know I keep bugging you. Get a hack it. Just go out there and check out the store. Do that for me. What next? You're not even that far away from Cloverdale. How about this? Let's say before the end of the WLA season, I have to go and get some sort of cowboy hat and I will wear it to one of the games. Like, oh, yes. Now we're talking. (laughs) That is an Instagram post. And because I've said this in this forum, like, you'll have to to hold me accountable. That's an Insta post waiting to happen right there. (laughs) Tino and a stampede tack cowboy hat. That's going up on the IG when we get that happening. All right. So stampede tack and Western wear stampede stallions. Uh, Tino, I always like to let you go first. So who's your stallion of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I've already mentioned him uh, in this podcast, number four for the Buffalo Bandits, Ian McKay. I like it. I just, I'm such a big fan of him. I think he's such a just steady defenseman that has a little bit of offensive skill as well. He can go up there and play, but three points on the night, had himself a penalty is there in there as well. So, you know, he's getting involved all over the place, eight loose balls. And I think, so I don't have confirmation of this, but I think he took a slash in a pretty sensitive area mm. on the male body. Because uh, I, I I saw him I saw him take it somewhere in the lower body, but he wasn't limping when he went off. Yes. And then when the camera was on him, when he was on the bench, just his reaction, he's like kind of like tucked behind the bench, like almost like he's. Everybody knows the face that guys make when they take yeah. it in the jump, and right? uh, like has to has to leave for for a couple minutes. So I was kind of wondering, like I wonder if he got that in. Well, that's again the stallion alone, right? Just being able to come <laughs> back after taking a slash on the dick. Yeah, and then gets the assist on the game-winning goal to Nick Weiss there. So, yeah, big Ian McKay fan and uh, happy to have him as my You got to calm down. You're going a little Evan fanboyish here, Tino, <laughs> because I saw you tweet out that you want to get yourself a Chase Fraser jersey as well. Oh, man, the guy is electric. How do you – I like, every time he's on the floor, I'm, like, waiting for him. We can't get – I can't pick Ian McKay and then also pick Chase Fraser. No, so, but, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of uh, – big fan of Well, him. I'll pick Chase Fraser then, and I'll just let you run with it. Tell me about <laughs> Chase Fraser. Yeah, um, I mean, like, what – so many people have been talking about him this season. They Like, I've heard – I forget, maybe it was Teddy that called him, like, the, the Brad Marchand of the NLL, mm. where he's just, like – He's a skilled guy. He'll get in your face. He's getting the crowd fired up. Like the people in Buffalo absolutely love this guy. He's got the mullet and like the handlebar mustache going on. Like, how do you not look in his direction when he's on the floor, but he can score a goal by like, like ripping it from the outside, going bar down, or he'll put it between his legs. Like when he's not even facing the net and then he'll do his what, like last weekend or whatever he does like finger guns into the crowd. So it's just like, an electric atmosphere, and it's so perfect for his style of play. So, yeah, big, big fan of the Fraser. Yeah, the Fraz. He's got a <laughs> he's got a lot of swag, a lot of drip there, just Chase Fraser. And he just, like, I don't know if he's the same player anywhere else than Buffalo. Because he just, he just, lo- he just feeds off that crowd and plays back to them. They eat it up, and they give him energy, and... I think kind of encourage him to be the guy and, and the personality that he is. And I just don't know, like, is he the same 
guy if he's playing in Halifax or Georgia or I don't know. What do you think? Could be a could be an interesting experiment, but he's like like I kind of put him in the when we were talking last week to to Joey Capito, like in the same light of you know when Capito scores, like he immediately looks to the crowd, tries to get them as fired up as possible because he's a guy that feeds off of that energy. Yeah. I agree with you. I think Fraser is is the exact same way. So when he's going and the crowd is going, it's it's tough to beat that scenario. All right, well, there you go. Ian McKay and Chase Fraser of the Buffalo Bandits. Bandit buddies, you're both going into the Stampede Tax stables this week. Uh, welcome to the stables, Chase Fraser, Ian McKay. Quarter one is done, Tino. We're heading for quarter number two. Well, at least I am. Evan will meet me there, and we're going to talk to the greatest box across player of all time and the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits, JT. John Tavares next here on Lax Class. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Joey Capito of the Colorado Mammoth, and you're listening to Last Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the second quarter, we go here on EP 187, which is brought to you by Associated Labels and Packaging. AssociatedLP.com is where you find them. They've been located in Coquitlam for over 40 years. They're family-owned, focusing on people, ethics, and quality. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. AssociatedLP.com is where you go speaking of best in the business the greatest box lacrosse player of all time and the current head coach of the buffalo bandits who are now one win away from an nll championship as we welcome back to lax class john Tavares. john how are you thanks for doing this i'm well jake thanks for having me uh glad to have you man and uh, always appreciate you making time for us here on lacrosse classified and what a time it was there in buffalo on saturday night man oh man i i've been to buffalo a number of times uh calling calling games but i don't know if i've ever seen Bandland quite like that john you've been around that franchise uh for decades you tell me Bandland was a rockin for game one of the nll finals it certainly was. I, I I told the guys at the beginning of the year when they uh, opened up the arena to fans after, you know, during, after COVID, um, that, uh, you know, if we keep winning and playing hard, they'll get the uh, the opportunity to experience what Bandaland's all about. And we started with about four and a half, five thousand, six, seven thousand, yeah. build up to eight, nine to 11. And, you know, we had 15 you know, 15,000, I think they were all wearing orange, all into the game, being boisterous. It was uh, electrifying being in the building. So let's take a look back at the game on Saturday. What worked well? What needs improvement? Um, you broke up. I, I heard what worked well, what needs improvement. Is that the question? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yep. Yeah. I thought, um, you know, I thought um, our defense played well, but we obviously can... Um, play a little bit better. We need to definitely communicate more and, uh, you know, prevent some open shots. Definitely have to find a way to minimize Zed and McLaughlin. I think, uh, you know, you know, to to Colorado's credit, you know, they have uh, a lot of threats and it's hard to, 
and they'll cover one or two guys because then the other guys are going to kill you. And that's a lot like our offense. I was going to say, that's um, pretty much the exact description of your offense, John. Yeah. So uh, I thought offensively, I thought we had a good looks. You know, you, scores 15-14, you can't complain. Uh, 15 goals, uh, you know, should be enough to win a game for you. Well, that's, you know, kind of where I was going to go next, John, is that 15-14, I don't know if I was really expecting that kind of offensive output with either team. And going into game two, like, I, I don't think Wardo or, or Vino were particularly bad. I think the offenses were just going. But would you expect maybe a little bit of a lower scoring game in game two? Well, I tell you, it's just kind of like a paralleling the uh, last series we had against Toronto. The first game was 17-16. Both teams went back to the drawing board, watched video, made adjustments, and then we had a, t- a very tight 10-9 game in the uh, second game. So I'm expecting the same type of uh, second game as we did in the last series. Yeah. Of course. Especially when you're facing two of the you know, best goalies in the league. Uh, of course, one of the uh, the interesting videos pre-game was Toka saying, my goal don't suck, and of course, <laughs> he, did he puts suck. up five. Yeah. He didn't suck. Here's a guy that has kind of been the show everywhere he's gone in his career, and now he's made the transition to a, you know, a good supporting role with this team. What, what was the shift that needed to happen to, to make that move for him? Make what move for him? Like to 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 be maybe be second fiddle, second fiddle, John. You know, Dane is obviously the leader of that offense on the right hand side, and and Tahoga's always kind of been the number one, but he's got to work his way up to that. And I think Evan is asking, you know, what what adjustments did he have to make to to kind of fit in? Well, Tahoga is a very intelligent lacrosse player. He knows how to play with and with without the ball, and he sets big picks. He knows how to, um, you know, uh, seal guys. He knows how to um, slip guys. You know, he knows how to hit the gaps. He knows when to up pick. Um, he's very good without the ball, and he's very good with the ball. And as you said, you know, on the right side, Dane, you know, predominantly does have the ball. And, uh, you know, often throughout the year, I've had to remind Tahoka that he can be a little bit more aggressive when he has the ball as well because he's a great one-on-one guy. He's, he can take the guys underneath. He has a good shot. So sometimes I have to do, do remind him to, to, to be a threat, more of a threat. You know, he's a rookie. You know, he understands. Dane's been around a while. Josh has been around a while. He doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. Um, you know, he has the ability, like he did last game, to take over offensively. You know, is it a surprise to me that he did that? No, it's not a surprise. It's a surprise to me when he doesn't get three. Yeah, not bad when your secondary guys can pump in five. As we speak with yeah. John Tavarison, pull the curtain back a little bit on Tahoga John, because you know he I, from the outside looking in, he's a pretty guarded guy, and he doesn't really kind of put himself out there. But I think once he gets immersed in the team and the culture and all his personality does seem to kind of come through and he can be a little more outgoing when he's around surrounded by people he trusts and is comfortable with. Is that a fair assessment of, of TN one? I, I would, I, I would agree with that. I think that's true for a lot of people. I, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I, I hope he's enjoying um, being a part of a Buffalo band. I know he's, you know, dreamt of being a band for a long time as a, Followed us for his uh, almost his entire life, and you know, as he said, this is you know a dream come true for him for him to experience Battleland. Now, of course, going into Game One, you haven't seen this team a whole lot. You saw him once during the season, a lot of work 
trying to figure out matchups, guys' tendencies. How does the preparation change now going into game two? Well, we um, I did look at film when we played them about halfway through the season. Um, you know, try to take some pauses from there and make corrections from that game. And then, you know, obviously we watched their their playoff games against Calgary and uh, San Diego and, and try to find out what they, you know, you know what they do offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, now I'm just gonna, we go back and watch what they did to us and see where we can be more successful at both ends and see where we can, you know, clean up things that um, maybe we thought they took advantage of and things that we can also now take advantage of them as well. So it's a bit of a chess game now, I think. You can watch all the games from you want, but, you know, the, I think the most recent one is the most telling. Yeah, I was going to say, I would, I would ask you what those things are that you think you've identified watching film, but I know you're not going to give me the answer to that, so I'm not going to ask you that. Well, I'm just, I'm just, in, the midst, I'm just in the midst of it. Okay. And uh, there's, uh, I, of course I would tell you, Jake. Um, <laughs> no, I, I get before, it. You know, a few days before the game. But, I, you know, like they have a great team, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I tell my players, they have a great offense, they have got a great goalie, they've got great defense, and so do we. And it's going to be the team that, you know, makes the least amount of mistakes and can capitalize on things like transition or power play, you know, short man or, you know, just the little things in between the restraining lines, if you will. Like, you know, that makes the difference in the game. And, uh, you know, the last few games come down to one goal and give you that one mistake that you make that costs the game. So let's minimize mistakes in the game. Buffalo 4-0 in the playoffs, a chance to win the NLL Cup comes Saturday as we speak with John Tavares. I'm going to ask you a bit of a double-parter, broad-stroke question here, JT, and that is, you know, we saw the Bandits jump out out of the gates in the regular season to just, you know, exploding and, and running the table, <laughs> and then there was a bit of a lull, and then you guys kind of finished the season strong, and you've been rolling in the playoffs here. So I want to ask you how this team has evolved over the course of the season and into the playoffs. And then I want to ask you as well, John, how you as a coach have evolved during this season. Well, I'll just start with the last part of the question with myself. Um, I, I, I would like to think that I'm always trying to evolve. I'm always trying to be a better coach. Um, I'm always trying to think outside the box. Um, I'm always trying to communicate with my players and, you know, think ahead to what, uh, you know, the team's going to try to do. Um, I'm, I'm more mainly in charge of the offense and, you know, what the team's going to do to defend us. And I try to think, you know, step ahead. And uh, I would like to think that, uh, you know, the, the players trust me and with, with my ideas. And I would hope that they feel comfortable, which I think they do, with, approach me with their ideas. And we try to come up with the best solution for our team. Um, in terms of our team, uh, season, yeah, we got off to a, a great start and we were rolling. And I think the last four games of the season, we were uh, one in three. Um, you know, it, it's it's it, it, the NL is a very competitive league. There's lots of parity, and you can ask any anybody that's part of any team that literally any team can beat any team on any given night, home or away. So, you know, I'm very proud of our record. And sure, we lost three of the four games, but man, it's difficult to you know continue to win in this league and um you know we ended up finished off with a 14-4 record and i think people started thinking that you know we were kind of falling apart but you know we we weren't falling apart you know we were just you know playing like we always did and, and you know unfortunately you can't win every single game 
I think the games that we lost actually was a blessing in disguise because they became more of learning lessons to our team and our coaching staff. And, you know, it gave us an opportunity to correct things that we weren't maybe um, good enough. And yeah, we made those corrections and, you know, it's, it's paying dividend right now in the playoffs. One of the things that's a little bit unique about the bandits, of course, is you've got six soon to be seven guys that have the opportunity to play year round together. And of course, with uh, chaos, even though it's a different discipline, having that ability, and not only, I guess, the ability, but the championship pedigree coming forward, how much of an impact did that have in the locker room this year? Well, I, I think when uh, guys are tight, um, you know, off the floor, um, it makes things a lot more fun on the floor as well. And having those guys play year round, you know, I'm sure they um, develop more of a brotherhood amongst them and uh, know how each other's play. And, you know, that's, that's definitely an advantage when you have guys that uh, are more familiar with each other and know their, you know, their, um, I guess their routines, patterns and things they like to do. And you just start reading off of them. And, um, you know, that helps in, in the change room that helps off of, on, on the floor. I think it, it just brings everybody together. And like, you know, big part of our team is guys are literally happy for each other. And it's easy to be happy for someone you're hanging out with. You know, it's just, it's when, when, when guys are tight, it's, you, you want to set a pick for a guy. You want to get that guy a goal. You want to, you want your teammates to be successful. I think that's a big part of why our team is successful because we have a lot of guys on our team like that. Not just the guys who play year round. Here with the head coach of the Buffalo Bandits, John Tavares. And I want to, talk about maybe some of the role players on on particularly on the back end John because I think your offense is pretty star-studded but you know you, you see Nick Weiss get the game-winning goal in a in a championship game yeah uh stepping up which is huge and your and your back end has kind of evolved over the course of the season too with the addition of Max Adler who I think has been a real impact guy for you Justin Martin Spanger these kind of blue-collar guys that may not jump off the the stat sheet at you but do real solid work out of that back end and yeah. they're, they're huge to, yeah. to team success, right? Yes. Well, you know, I, I was looking at, I don't know where something online, you know, they had the top 10 defensemen. We had Steve Priolo. I'm like, where's, you know, where's Nick Weiss? Uh, where's Robinson? You know, like how does our team not have more guys on that list? Um, I think it's the offense overshadows it a little bit, John, to be honest with you. Right. That's when people are talking bandits, they're talking Vino and they're talking. I mean, mean, like if you look at the stats for, you know, goals against, yeah, we got Matt Vince, but you know, you know, Matt's a great goalie, but we also have a great defense in front of him. You know, we have, we have, we have a pretty good transition team as well. I don't think our defensive guys get nearly the recognition they deserve. You know, Steve Perillo is a stud back there. He is probably the best defense, one of the best, if not the best defenseman in the league. And he's proving it, you know, year after year. You know, a guy like Nick Weiss, yeah, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes scoring a transition goal to get recognized as a defenseman. That's kind of a confusing part. Wow, he must have had a good year. He scored a bunch of goals. Yeah. No, what, no, what are these guys doing on the back end, whether they score or not? But unfortunately, they don't get recognized until they start scoring or, you know, strip guys all the time. You know, Nick Weiss has been a stud in the last 10 games of the year. He you runs know, like, hot now, too, at JT. Really well. Like, Weiser, like, you got to calm him down a little bit. Uh, I thought he was going to yeah, blow a gasket like at the end of that thing. Yeah, great, like, great player. Like, 
uh, other guys like Bryce Sweeting. Like we have a lot of guys like that soak up balls and get no credit for it and, you know, play their hearts out. And what is our goals against? Where do we rank in the, in the league this year? They're top. Yeah, we're top five, but we only have one defenseman. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> me, not sure me either. After, after hearing that, yeah. I, I like I got to agree with you, man. I think, you know, 14 yeah. and four, that's not just pure offense and goaltending. You got to play some defense too. You do. You do have to play defense, you know. Yeah, we have great offense, but we need a good defense. You know, defense wins your championships, and you know we're we are we're one game away from having a championship. But you know, I think we've done fairly well with regardless of what happens moving forward. So one I think th- our guys on defense should you know definitely deserve more recognition. Just on the championship thing here, John, like you what you've won a number of them as a player, whether it's been in summer or the NLL. What would one winning one as a coach mean to you? Where would that rank? I would think it ranks as high as being a player. You know, it's it's obviously different. Um, it's a different role for me, uh, you know, because I played so many years. But, um, you know, when I played lacrosse, I never thought of being a coach. And, um, you know, when I think the only way they got to me retired was to offer me a coaching <laughs> position. So I'm like, okay, I'm all right. You think I'm done? I'm done. I'll, I'll help coach the team. And, and, uh, you know, it was something new for me. I, you know, I've coached at the high school level. I did coach the junior team in Augustosne for one summer. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a challenge. And, you know, I learned a lot from going from an offensive coach to a co-head coach of Rich Kilgore to becoming, you know, the head coach. And that's helped me evolve as well. Because, you know, like just like my you know, lacrosse career, you play minor, I played junior B, I played junior A. And I played some games, you know, up in senior A. I played out west. I came to, you know, played Ontario. I played pro. So it was just, you know, progression, progression. And uh, it's kind of like my coaching career. I would like to continue to all evolve, become a better coach, and continue to have success um, coaching teams and win as many championships as possible and change the percentages of, you know, how many games we win in or how many championships we win per year yeah and, and well, you, not per year per per appearance is what i'm saying yeah like, I, um, I was saying the other day actually after the game the buffaloes made 11 championships and we've only won four and that's not a very good you know championship no, I never percentage. That. So I never, I, I, yeah yes and 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 that was the, that's the one i don't know if it's in the regret but it's one thing one one stat i would like to change for the buffalo bandits is improving our winning percentage in the championship series well you and you i mean obviously you've caught in the coaching bug here john because you're in the middle of a, a championship series but tonight you're you're telling me you're going to coach some u17 or u15 lacrosse What's yeah, going my, on there? My, 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 yeah I'm, no i'm in mimico and um you know they had a very strong team u17 my son my son plays midget lacrosse u17 lacrosse and they didn't really have a coach and you know they're kind of rebuilding and we have a lot of new players so do the kids I get it, decided. John? Do they know that who they're being coached by? Like, do they understand? What- yeah, no, I think I, some of it. I, we've got some beginners on the team where I'm literally, you know, teaching them how to hold their stick and catch and pass and cushion the ball. It's at the at the U17 level, unfortunately. And the, the, I think that some of the beginners are kind of like understand, like, wow, that's John Tavares, who guy played lacrosse, yeah. and well, they just keep it to themselves. You know? um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not there because of that. I'm just trying to, you know, help kids learn how to play the game. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. 
got uh, one for you here. This is a debate we had a couple of weeks ago, which was brought forward by a tweet from Christian Delvianco calling Matt Vince the GOAT. And we're not talking the goaltending GOAT. He said the greatest in the NLL history. Since we have the guy that we call the GOAT on the line, where do you put Matt Vince in terms of the greatest players this league has ever seen? Um, well, Matt is definitely um, one of the best all-time goalies. It's hard to, you know, I'm not taking away anything from anybody. Like, it's when someone calls me to go, I'm like, you oh, know, I'm Gary Gage. You know, him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's hard to just say, you know, who's the best. But statistically, Matt's showing that he is the best all-time. And Matt still has a lot in him to play. And uh, what I love about Matt is, if you know, he has an off night. He's coming back with the vengeance. He's going to get, you know, watch film, be better the next game. And he's always, he's still a student in the game. And that's what I love about him. And that's why he is one of the best, if not the best all time goal ever. He's always wanting to prove he's never satisfied with what he's done. He's not living in the past. He's looking forward to what's next. And, you know, once, once you start living, you know, or, or relying on, you know, your, 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 your past successes is, is pretty much the moment you should probably retire. And, uh, you know, Matt doesn't do that. He's always trying to be a better boy, which I love about him. And, you know, it's, a, it's what I don't, I don't want to say anything because he's my goalie. I want to feel biased, but how do you not say he is the best goalie in the National Lacrosse League? Yeah, no, you know, I don't there's think There's been that. a lot of great goalies. Like in, in Buffalo, I've got Steve Dietrich. He's a, a general manager slash defensive coach. I got Anthony Cosmo helps out with Matt Vince. Yeah. No, I don't go in the goalie category. You know, those guys are like, no, you can't do that to the goalie. You got to like, you know, like, I don't know the goalie mindset, you know? So, you know, when I played, I, 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 I learned quickly to not respect goalies <laughs> because I, I've told you the story about Dwight Mecky, have I not? Yes. Yes. You did. Yes. So I don't want to respect goalies too much because if they get in your head and you start thinking, Oh, that's the greatest goalie. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, uh, you Maybe know, that like, was my I problem played. all along, John. Maybe that yeah, was, yeah, for sure. could have been. It, it could be a problem for everybody. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you look at stats, it's hard not to say that Mass is the greatest goalie of all time in the National Cross. Yeah, no, I don't think that. I don't. I mean, Whip, Whip was the guy, I think, but I think Vino surpassed him there. Last one I want to ask yeah. you here, John, before we get you on your way. And for a guy that uh, won a couple of manners with uh, the Brampton Excelsiors, I don't know if you've got your finger on the pulse here or you know what's happening, but we had uh, Jamie Dowick on last week and and he kind of shared his side of things from a board of governors perspective. And, and I, you know, like you, you were a part of that franchise. Where do you come out on all this? You know, I, I, I vaguely know what's going on. Like Jamie's, you know, an owner of the team. I'm sure he's uh, understanding what's happened. My understanding is, Somebody bought the Brampton Excelsior team a few years ago, gave people money for the team, paid their bills, now wants to move to Owen Sound. I I I I don't know. That's about as simple as you that. can put it, I think, right there. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure who can hold them back from moving the team unless there was a stipulation in the contract when he bought the team that it was no move clause. There was not. <laughs> so, there was not. No. So how would you Hey, I, I I bought your business, and now I want to move it to a different city. And now people are saying, "No, you can't." Yeah. I'm a little confused by that. And listen, it's sad that the Brampton Excelsiors, a very historic franchise, yeah, I played there for a couple of years. I'd love to see the. It's it's a half an hour drive to go to Brampton. 
uh, Owen Sound for me is like a two and a half hour drive. Yeah. I don't want to drive to Owen Sound. Yeah. But if the owner wants to move the team to Owen Sound, isn't that his right? My two cents on that. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, again, I don't know much about what's going on. Well, movies, I think that's but, the part of the other problem, John, is that not not enough people know what's what's going on. It's a he yeah. said, she said sort of thing. But I just uh, from yeah. a guy that that played in Brampton, I I kind of wanted to hear your your take on it. So no, I, like I, yeah, I'm not. I didn't play my minor there. Like I don't have a you know yeah. many allegiance to Brampton in terms of how long I played. I only played there for two seasons, so. You know, two good it, seasons, it, 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 John. Yeah, two. no, two great seasons, like a great team. Yeah. Would I like to see a Brampton major team? Yeah, I, I want there to be a major team. I think it's sad that there wouldn't be a team there because there's so much history there. That's the it. Memorial Arena is still there. It's yeah. a great building to play lacrosse in. Won the Man Cup there in 92. You know, like, I don't want the team to leave, but if someone buys the team and decides to move the team, I don't think my opinion matters. No. Yeah, I think you're bang on there, man. I think you're bang on. And and from what I can understand, that there was no clause in the contract with the no movement clause. So I, I think that's part of the problem is that the contract was not shown to the to the board before the sale was put through. I'm 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 hearing things like the person, the people he gave the money to, were not the owners of the team and didn't have the right to sell the yeah. team. I'm hearing stuff like that. I'm like, I, I, listen, I don't get involved with that stuff. Yeah. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm hoping that they figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. Other teams are now hurting because, you know, you know, this is happening. Yep. So that's the problem. It's not, it's not good for the game. You know, apparently they had major series had some sort of uh, TV deal where they yeah local TV, TV yeah, and yeah, that's which been down the played, now, you know around Ontario and personally, apparently they lost that now. And uh, you know, so what the sport needs is media. We need to be on, in, in the media. We don't need you know we don't need yeah, not like this that. kind of media we don't need yeah, yeah where yeah. people are I mean, talking about what's uh, wrong yeah, yeah. Any, any news is good news but when there's no games going on it's not good for the sport 100 percent, john yeah. uh always appreciate your time here on lax class man best of luck with you and your bandits on saturday we'll all be watching and uh go get them good luck Okay. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Evan. There you go, John Tavares. He doesn't like being called the greatest of all time. I don't care, Evan. The GOAT right there, JT. And uh, man, oh, man, like some guys that were that good at playing lacrosse can't figure it out at the coaching level. I mean, if you want to relate it to hockey, let's look at Wayne Gretzky. Pretty easy mm-hmm. comparison there. But JT has figured out how to push the buttons with these Buffalo Bandits, and he's got them one win away from another championship to his mantle. I recall this was probably three, four years ago. He was in Saskatchewan for a game and uh, talking with him at the pub later on. I was introducing him to a couple new fans, and I introduced him as the GOAT, right? And immediately he was trying to say, well, no, my last few years, my point points per game would decline because I played, you know, I, I didn't have the production. years or whatever it was. And it's just like, years, yeah. like, who cares? You were 51 <laughs> and playing in an MSL game every shift, yeah. you know, like I still remember him telling us that story. And, you know, I didn't even know he played every shift, but the guy is amazing. I mean, maybe his records eventually get broken when the league goes yeah, to 30, more. 40 games a season. Yeah. They're not going to be broke for a long time. And even when he played that 51, that game when he was 51, yeah, I think the joke was, was 
did somebody come within a thousand points of his MSL scoring record that he had to get back in the game? But yeah, no, you're not going to find any better. You know, I still remember watching him at Bandit Land when I got the chance to go there. So yeah, I think we're spoiled too, right? Like to be able to have access. Like I don't know how many podcasts are able to dial up hockey podcasts able to dial up 99 and say hey like would you come on sort of thing like i think we're very fortunate that that john is so gracious with his time and like you said he just wants to see the game continue to grow and you know perfect example i was up playing around at disc golf before we got john on the call here and i said oh you know i only got an hour i got to get home for an interview and he says oh interview who you interview and i said the greatest lacrosse player of all time greatest box lacrosse player of all time and he goes who's that is that john Tavares?" And he, like, this guy knows nothing about lacrosse, but he knew the name John Tavares. And I think that is all you really need to say, right? The guy is an absolute freaking legend. Yeah, and, you know, we'll be talking about him f- for decades, right? Yeah. You well, know, I'll tell you, you, man, you can talk, you this... can talk the gates, you can talk Grant overall, maybe, but in the discipline of box across yeah. there's well, no that's question. why i make this specification it's box lacrosse right and i think oh. if gary was able to play as long as jt did then that conversation is there same thing with junior he had some some mm-hmm. injury troubles and had his career kind of cut short as well when you're talking about keeping healthy longevity right? is definitely part of the conversation that is part mm-hmm. of being the greatest being able to get out there every single time the whistle blows and, and JT did that. And not only we're not talking in a, like the amount of MSL regular season playoff man cup games, this guy mm-hmm. played is just astronomical to do it at that high of a level for as long as he did it. And now he's got his bandits as a coach one win away from another championship. It's just ridiculous what he has accomplished in this sport. Yeah, and while he even said, I think, last time that had his nephew not had a hockey career, his nephew may have been better than him. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Same name and all the rest of it. All right, there you go. There's JT. We're going to move on to quarter three, and uh, I'll be flying solo for this next one as we get TSN play-by-play man, and he called... Well, the game of the week all season long, and he called game one of the finals. Pretty sure he's not calling game two, but we're going to talk to John Abbott about lacrosse, the National Lacrosse League, and how he became a play-by-play guy. I'm looking forward to this long overdue conversation with TSN's John Abbott. Next, third quarter action, EP187 is back after this. This is NLL Hall of Famer Paul Gate. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, the go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we're into second half action. Third quarter is a go, and it's brought to you by Rycor Construction, where they make it stand out. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Rycor Construction Inc. Family owned, over 15 years of experience. Kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks, something simple as a fence. They make it stand out. Rycor produces quality craftsmanship and an exceptional client experience. I'm looking forward to this experience right now as we have the voice of the NLL on TSN, Mr. John Abbott. Uh, John, welcome to Lax Class. Really appreciate you making time here for us. 
Oh, it is my pleasure, Jake. And it's always nice to reconnect with you. And uh, thanks for being uh, such a, a good colleague and friend along the way here in this, in this first season of covering the NLL for me, it's been absolutely a blast this year. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about it all. And, and just so people know, we go a little further back than you joining the national lacrosse league, spending a little time crossing past down there at TSN uh, ten forty, which sadly no longer exists, which kind of prompted a, a big change in your life as well, which we may get into along the way here. But uh, why don't we start at the beginning, John? Um, I always kind of like to ask this, and, and I, I'm going to ask it in a different way because um, I don't know how much lacrosse experience you had before getting into the NLL, but me being a fellow broadcaster, I guess uh, I, I want to know how it began in broadcasting for you. What, how did you get your start in broadcasting? What made you want to become a broadcaster? Well, I think the first key element is that uh, I just talked a lot, and uh, that'll go all the way back from <laughs> anyone you speak to, whether it was old teachers or family members. Uh, my dad will tell you that uh, I would take business trips with him, throw on the tape recorder, make up my own sports cast and stuff just as a little guy. So yeah, somewhere in there, it was all happening quite a while ago. And uh, it's it's a career that I had always uh, envisioned myself getting into, hoped to get into, set my sights firmly uh, in that direction and was just not going to take no for an answer. So I did everything I could think of to try and uh, give myself an opportunity to learn from great people, uh, to get experience. I uh, went to broadcast journalism school as well and uh, started volunteering. That's really where yeah. I got my start. Uh, <laughs> That's how really usually what... everybody gets their start, yeah, John, right? You got to pay your dues. It was so good, though, Jake. Like, it was so great. Uh, you know, I was in it at 15. They let me in at wow. 15 behind the scenes in local wow. local uh, cable TV. So, uh, yeah, all the way back then, uh, grassroots, uh, doing everything from AAA hockey to uh, local county fairs uh you know some auction like whatever it was yeah. uh baseball lots of variety of sports and thankful for it because it's led me to a great spot well i'll tell you what that's always you know when i have young guys kind of ask me how to get their start and everything i just I, my answer is never say no you know just try everything you can whether it's play-by-play -play, color writing behind the scenes stuff doesn't matter what sport it is just say yes and and try everything that you possibly can that's a great mission statement I, i'm a firm believer in that as well jake i don't think it'll ever steer you wrong having adopting that type of mindset and it and in fact most times it surprises you doesn't it where it leads and yeah. what doors it opens and the people you meet and and uh you know besides our passion for sport in general and of course lacrosse you know the second best thing to being in the booth is getting to work with great people and you know that's universal it seems on the sporting landscape yeah you know really at the end of the day you, you got to have some talent to do kind of what we do but you got to know some people too to kind of get to where you've gotten to and like you said opening doors meeting people networking will take you a long way in this business and and you've made a a, a nice career out of yourself here john but i and we're going to talk about that as well but i how, did you have any lacrosse experience like had you watched had you played had you gone as a fan uh before you started calling nll games because i've called a bunch of different sports as have you and i don't know where you'd rank lacrosse especially pro lacrosse where it is just a blur sometimes but i always kind of rank lacrosse as one of the hardest sports to call 
because it's so fast and changing on the fly and multiple goals in, in under 30 seconds. So you tell me, uh, did you have any experience with lacrosse? And then where would you kind of rank calling lacrosse as far as all the sports that you've done? Well, let me start by saying uh, I love the fact that there was great voices in place like yourself that uh, have a strong template. You know, I, I did go and watch and listen to and have even before, um, you know, being in the booth myself, but certainly after uh, getting into the booth, uh, a, a lot of other play callers around the league and in the sport, because that's just how you improve yourself, uh, not only as a broadcaster, but as a person as well. So, uh, you know, thankfully, there's lots to lots to learn from great people like you, Jake. And um, I would say I didn't I didn't get to play, which is a shame. Uh, you know, I have my kids now. I have sticks in the backyard. My little guy's just over, uh, you know, he's about a one and a half. And every time he goes out the door, he grabs a lacrosse stick. Awesome. So it's uh, it's passed down from my joy and passion of it, uh, really through being engulfed in it now as a broadcaster to my kids. And I wish I had that chance when I was growing up. I didn't. So you can cross the strike through the playing side of things. I did, going back to those uh, community TV days, I did do a few uh, games locally, but uh, that was quite a while ago. So uh, one of the difficulties for me was being so excited about the opportunity presented to work uh, in, the, in the top level of this sport in, in North America and just enjoying the best of the best in the National Lacrosse League. But I'm an old school guy. You know, I like to uh, apply my trade and, and uh, you know, be able to work my way up and learn as we were just talking about previously. So that was a bit of an adjustment for me. But the one thing I can translate to you is that uh, you can't BS anybody, especially the cross people, to be quite frank. (laughs) And, you know, so I tried to come in uh, with ears to listen, eyes to see, uh, lots of heart, lots of passion and, and grow along the way. And, you know, I hope I've done. I hope the respect for the game has come through in my call because I certainly have it. It's easy to respect the people in the game uh, for many different reasons, and it's easy to love the game. I think that's one thing uh, that's universal about the sport, especially, pardon me, at the NLL level, is that it doesn't matter if you're a first-time fan sitting down in the seats. doesn't matter if you're a first-time viewer uh, or listener, and you get into the, you get into the uh, viewing of the game in any way you can get it taking the game in and you're hooked. And so, you know, I share, I share in that experience too. So it's, it's been an absolute joy, pleasure, and passion of mine to try to represent this league uh, as best as possible and make it fun for everybody to enjoy the experiences I do. So um, it's not the most conventional path, but I'm thankful for it. I'm grateful. And I don't take anything for granted. Yeah, no, you can, you can hear your excitement coming through in your calls. And I would think that, you know, maybe it's probably because you see some things in the national Cross league that you've just never seen on a, on a sporting floor or, or court or field or whatever, like some crazy, crazy things happen during a lacrosse game. So maybe I'll, I'll ask you this. What have you learned about the sport or the national lacrosse league that you may not have known before? Well, you know what? I here you go with the ability to talk because that was a long answer. I didn't even answer all of, all of uh, the question that you posed because you <laughs> you okay. did uh, you did raise it where where does it rank? And it's certainly the fastest sport that I have called, and you know, right up there with hockey, which is moving at an incredible pace at the National Hockey League level. Yeah, uh, you know, lacrosse just does not slow down, as we all know. And you're right. You know, there's there's no real stoppage. Uh, very few of them. So it, it makes it a blistering speed 
and that's uh, one of the endearing things about it. So I've learned a lot that way as well is, uh, you know, there's time at, at some points of the game, as you can relate, you can paint pictures, you can give background info, you can tell a nice side story, you can uh, potentially lead your listeners and viewers in a certain direction. Other times, you got to park all that and you just have to go with what's in front of you. And usually that's because there's a terrific opportunity at one end or both ends in a hurry. Yeah. So uh, I absolutely love that part about the game. The pace is, is nuts. The athletes are in supreme supreme condition and even more so these days and uh yeah one of the many things i've learned is just how tough you have to be you know i kind of expected that but the the conditioning to keep up and play at this level is remarkable absolutely as we speak with tsn's john abbott and you've gotten to do some pretty cool things in your career including being the voice of the senators doing world championships nhl hockey uh, I don't know where doing game one of the NLL finals in Banditland with 15K just going absolutely bonkers. But you tell me, man, I've been in Banditland, not for a, a finals game, mind you, but just kind of watching from through the TV screen. That looked absolutely incredible, that atmosphere inside inside Banditland there. It was smoking. It was you know, insert your uh, joyous adjective here. Like it was fantastic. It was superb. It was uh, just a, a complete house of mayhem. Uh, it was, it, everything was, everything about it was great. It was a beautiful day outside, you know, outside of Key Bank Center, they had the, the party in the plaza rocking. So people were feeling really good before they got in the doors. As you say, 15,000 strong bandit land, always well represented, uh, not only in Buffalo, but yeah. in other venues close to their, their home arena as well. So we know that that fan base is built in fanatic, yeah. um, but to get it into the NLL finals. Yeah, it's right up there. I mean, anytime you have the opportunity uh, given to be in a position to call a championship series, that is a hallmark. That is uh, one of the goals of any broadcaster, and that is an experience you won't forget and you hope is unforgettable for everybody else that you're trying to convey that to. So, yeah, that is right up there for me, having the uh, the wonderful opportunity uh, to be able to, to be part of the finals broadcast. And, uh, you know, I, I again, I just I pinch myself sometimes uh, just thinking the opportunity afforded. I, I don't well, take that for granted. I'll tell you what, John, uh, out of all the things that I've done, in you know my 20 years of of calling lacrosse with man cups and world championships and mintos and nll finals is still sitting there off my resume <laughs> every year that goes by that i don't get to call an nll finals game uh, just kind of eats away at me so uh yes count yourself lucky here because i still am waiting for that opportunity um after watching some games here you must have a player or two Maybe I'll go with a goalie, a defenseman, and, and an offensive guy that has kind of caught your attention or piqued your interest that you, oh, we're playing these, or these guys are playing here tonight. I want to watch this guy. Well, there's so many dynamic uh, players in the league, and I think, again, that's part of the, the fun of this, uh, the spectacle that is the National Lacrosse League is that you just have so many characters and so many teams, uh, and you've seen the competitiveness, Jake, this year. Yeah, it, one goal it, game in particular, galore, right? right? Yeah. Like, so you can go down lots of different rosters, but, uh, you know, seeing Matt Vince, who's turning 40 this week, Unreal. by the way, Unreal. do his thing and look like, uh, you know, a youngster moving around in there. And even his pregame routine is just like Kung Fu Panda stuff. It's yeah. uh, fun to watch. And 
yeah, so there's a legendary name. You sit back and appreciate the longevity and the excellence that Matt Vince puts forth. I love watching uh, Rosie in Toronto as well, um, just for his style. We're being treated to Dylan Ward, really, you know, providing a backbone for Colorado. And it's going to be the same in game two if, they, if they're hoping to extend the series. And uh, so that has that position covered. I've grown really to appreciate the defensive side of the game and probably uh, in good part because of my partner, Pat Gregoire, as well, uh, being playing on that side of the ball. But there's so many intricacies that because of the speed of the game, you may not pick up right away. But if you watch more and more games, you start to recognize positioning and uh, what guys go through IQ wise to identify how to defend some of these all world offensive players. And then uh, look at the guy that scored the winner for Buffalo Nick Weiss, yeah. in game one. Oh, they, by the way, they can do that too. So uh, there's so many uh, stalwarts on the defensive side of the ball uh, to recognize as well. You know, one of my favorites favorite uh, this year was uh, Withers in Halifax. Yeah, I just love yeah. watch. Well, I love watching how he plays. He does it all, takes all the face-offs. He's just, uh, just a joy for me to, to take, take part in the broadcast and uh there's so many other guys again i'm doing a disservice no, John no, Rogers. A, yeah rogers <laughs> like both do, both doors this year I both know, doors this I year know, i know he's and, a and making it look easy so yeah we could go on and on and on jake and i know you don't have time but we'll have to do this do it off air and yeah just, uh, compare well lists. No, and then i think we'll we'll have to do this again for sure john and that, you, you tell me from a you know a sports media guy you know, whenever I'd be around 1040 and, and talking to Sakaris or Price or whoever it would be, the question would always be, like, why is lacrosse so fractured? Because this, this group can't get along with this group. And, you know, they have different sets of rules in, in one league and different sets of rules in another league. And that was kind of always the thing that, that people brought up to me. But now that you've kind of seen it from the outside, now you're immersed in it in the inside. What do you think this sport needs to do to take it to the next level to become part of the big four or big five? Well, I like the direction it's headed. I love that Vegas is coming in next year. I yeah. think that's going to do the league uh, so well on many, many, many different fronts, um, particularly with the attention factor, right? Which uh, you, it seems like as much as the league has grown, it can still continue to be uh, pumped up and pushed forward and uh, be front and center in people's mindsets. And Vegas is going to help continue that motion as well. So I really like the direction the league's going. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that uh, if you ask the players, they probably would like to see more games on the schedule and be able to move closer to doing this full time. And so I don't know how you blend that uh, immediately. Adding more teams is great. Um, you know, you hope it strengthens the league, but uh, that's that's still probably going to take some time to get there. Selfishly, and, and I'm going to include you in this, you know, the, the broadcasting package, I think, has been great this year. Yeah. And uh, TSN and ESPN, specifically stateside being on board, that opens up uh, a whole different perspective to American viewers and to Canadian viewers. So I think continuing on with that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you hope, you hope that, whatever direction uh, with a new commissioner coming in at some point, you hope that it's always changed for the better, because I think right now the league, in my opinion, has grown to a point where it could take off even more and start heading in the uh, closer to that direction of contending against some of the other big sports. 
So you hope that that's a continuation when the new commissioner comes in. Absolutely. First things first, got to get a CBA done for the next year, which will be key in the continued growth as we speak with John Abbott here. And uh, game two coming up, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, because calling OHL final seems like a pretty cool thing to me too. But uh, you're off the call on Saturday. You got a chance to call game one. I'm sure you're going to have one eyeball kind of watching this thing on Saturday night from Colorado. How do you see game two and potentially a, a game three playing out here between the bandits and the mammoth? Well, completely heartbreaking in one sense, because yeah. anytime you're afforded that chance, you want to see it through. And, you know, so for me, unfortunately not being able to be there is just going to eat me up and, and uh, it, that won't go away. However, I'm so happy for Teddy Jenner to get the chance to be in the broadcast. And it made too much sense on the West coast to be able to, uh, have another member of the broadcast team come in. Uh, and, and really it came down to semantics of I'm, I'm afforded the opportunity to do some hockey games, as you said, in the OHL championship series. And for me to get from Denver back to Ontario uh, for a two o'clock Eastern game ah. after a evening game, there's just, there was no way I could do it. And uh, so it was, my decision was made for me and I'm very thankful to be part of the OHL championship series. So, uh, I guess I'm a, it's a, it's a lose win, but I can't be that uh, upset about it. So I'm happy for our crew, Teddy, along with Pat and Ashley, who get to take in game two. And I would say Jake, that watching the first game as tight as it was, I really felt like Colorado, maybe the most all playoffs missing Ryan Lee there yeah. um, as another weapon. And it, it's an easy, it's an easy element to come to an answer on. You could probably say that at any point, but just recognizing how deep Buffalo is, uh, how strong they play. I mean, at times they did really tighten up defensively as well, even though it was a 15-14 game. Uh, for Colorado, Zed Williams had a heck of a game. Uh, so did Connor Robinson, so, you know, yeah. the, the big guys. Eli McLaughlin did as well. And yet it didn't seem like they had enough yeah. when it mattered most, even yeah. though it came right to the final. It didn't seem like they were able to control as much. So, hey, you put them in front of their home crowd, maybe uh, give them a week's rest and they can go back to the drawing board and, uh, it's going to be different, but Dylan Ward's going to have to stand on his head. And uh, despite the fact that they, the big three had really good games, they're going to have to find a way to take over because that Buffalo team is just so strong. They are a wagon, no question about it. Uh, a couple more minutes here with John Abbott, and and I got to ask you this because I got a you know a regular listener, former NLLer, and and one of the toughest customers you're ever going to meet. And unfortunately, I don't think you got a chance to watch him play in Andrew Suter, who. I call the champ, John, but he is a massive Senators fan for whatever. He lives in Orangeville, but for whatever reason, he is a monster of a Sens fan. So you being the voice of the Senators here, I got to ask you, because he wants to know, what's the, the prognosis here for Ottawa going into next year? What can, what can the champ expect to see out there in the nation's capital? Well, champ, I love the question, and uh, you know, I, I hesitate to talk too much hockey on a lacrosse no, podcast, no, that's but okay. uh, we can we can we can do it quickly. I, I really believe in this team, and it's not just because I am part of the broadcast with Gord Miller and Jamie McLennan. However, there's some sorting out to do, and you know, Matt Murray's going to be a big question mark. I think they need him as good as uh, Forsberg was last year. I don't know that he can be the outright number one to carry the work type of workload the Sens need him to, to get in the playoffs. So 
as strange as it is for some fans to think that they need Matt Murray, I really do believe that um, that is the case. And so finding a dynamic where Murray gets back to his game is for me, the first uh, key, if this team is going to reach the playoffs, second would be going out and supporting the young core. That's the best thing about this team. Shabbat, Stutzla, uh, you know, Kachuk, Norris, Batherson. Some guys they can uh, build around, right? Formanton, right. They have that in place. They have the luxury of those great young players. Not only uh, are they enthusiastic and fun to watch, but they are carrying this team forward. They desperately need some help. The third and fourth lines, although they were, uh, you know, sub- although the, they chipped in, I thought they were too similar last year. They need to have a solid third line that can uh, boost the top six because uh, if they don't get that support, um, I, I I just don't think it's going to end up much different than the way things did this year. So that's kind of, that's trying to be a short form answer yeah, here no, with lots of the... off season left, but uh, <laughs> I think they're headed. I think there's a good chance that they could make some noise, which would still surprise a lot of people. All right, there you go. There's the goods since you heard it right from the man himself, John, uh, who knows? We may see you back in the booth for, for game number three, if not uh, fantastic job all season long with the NLL on TSN. It was great to, to run you down and catch up. And uh, I know you got to like go clean up your, your neighbor's lawn right now. So uh, I'll let you go and uh, enjoy the rest of the finals, uh, OHL and NLL alike. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on again. Thanks for being with me all year uh, as a shoulder to lean on for anything I needed. And uh, it's just, it's an honor to be part of the broadcast group and in, in the league and, yeah, in the East, there's many things I missed about the West, but in the East, we get a heck of a lot more wind out here. So it's time to go uh, <laughs> relieve some branches from my like, neighbor's hot tub. So you can uh, just jump for, in the hot tub afterwards. Yeah, thanks for getting me out of it for at least a little bit here. Too. All right, there you go. John <laughs> Abbott, TSN, play-by-play man. Had uh, game one of the finals and the call all year long for the game of the week. And I'm sure we'll be back in 2023, if not for game three. Of the finals. Quick break here on Lax Class. We're back with quarter four. Evan is back. Lax Class locks all coming up here on EP 187. We're back after this. Double overtime. Game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores. Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring. They can taste it. Listen to this place again. You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queen's Park, brought to you by the newest Minster Salmon Bellies. Born in Stonehaven, Scotland, Eric Cowison moved to Burnaby with his family and honed his craft at the Confederation Park lacrosse box. Four years with the powerful Burnaby Cablevision Junior A team was capped off with a Minto Cup win, but it was when the Bellies drafted him in 78 that the real legend began. His quiet leadership made him an interim captain at age 24 and a full-time captain by 25. He wore the C for the next 15 seasons. Cowison hated to miss a game. In fact, he barely missed a game through the entire 1980s. He played six games in the 94-man cup against Six Nations with a punctured lung that pained him with every breath. Known primarily as a D-guy, Cowison scored over 1,000 points in the WLA, and he holds the record for most Man Cup games played and most Man Cup appearances, getting to the dance 11 times. Fun fact, Cowison's colorblind, but you know the belly's red holds a special place in his heart. 
The legend grows when the bellies host Nanaimo Thursday night at Queen's Park Arena. Tickets and info at salmonbellies.com. Into the fourth quarter we go here on EP 187. You just heard from uh, old Bradley Challoner right there. Kings at Queen's Park. Brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. And this week featuring the man they called Captain Eddie, Eric Cowison. Holy cow, what a career for this guy. I, you know, Brad just listed off all the accomplishments of one Eric Cowison. Unfortunately, well, I didn't miss Eddie because he coached me for a couple of years. I don't think I was ever his, his favorite player. I, th- I think I actually frustrated Eddie more than anything else, just not being good. Uh, so, you know, when you're, when you're that good of a player and you're trying to coach somebody that's nowhere near as good as you were, I, I would imagine that could be pretty frustrating as a coach. But uh, anyways, uh, Eric Cowson, number six, up there in the rafters, along with all the other greats of the new Westminster Sandbellies. And uh, you'll still see Eddie lingering around Queens Park for Sandbellies games and a uh, big part of the alumni as well. And what a career, what a legend. More of that coming your way this summer, courtesy of the new Westminster Sandbellies, sandbellies.com. They're back in action Thursday as they take on the Nanaimo Timbermen, who are coming off a win over Coquitlam on the weekend. So, Belly's coming off a loss. So, it should be a good one from Queens Park Arena. That one is June 9th, 7 o'clock face-off from QPA. And Smoker still coming up as well. 24th annual New Westminster Sam Belly Smoker. Good times will be had. You can be guaranteed of that. Uh, Evan, back on the pod here in quarter number four for Lax Class Locks. How's it going, Evan? Oh, it's going all right. Just looking forward to coaching lacrosse. Kids got provincials this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, Vasily made the all-star team in the city. And, oh, uh, yeah, well, he's he's one of the better players out there. He, his, his awareness of the game, I say, is his key. Right. He's not the strongest player or anything like that, but he knows where to get, when to get there. You know, he's looking for dish offs, which, you know, at that age, they're still kind of trying to just run the four defenders and get to the net. So I'll tell you where he needs to get, Evan, and that's inside the boards playing some box across. It, it just didn't work this year with the Knights. I know. That it, it, it's, uh, I know. But, but he is a better field player because. Well. Because he's a smaller guy, yeah, he, yeah. the space helps him, right? Fair enough. Uh, what about the Rocky Mountain League? What's going on there? Uh, well, interesting that uh, the Miners split. And there was a weird split because they they lost 14-10 uh, to Okotoks on the opening night and then destroyed them on Sunday. But the SWAT uh, will will just kind of leave it at the fact that the first two nights, I think they were outscored thirty eight to five. Yeah. I should probably yeah, they were pe- tweeting about the food more than they were oh, about the yeah, game. That's never a good idea. <laughs> I should probably let people know here. We're all over the place on EP one eighty seven. Evan is sitting in with me in quarter three, which you've already heard if you're listening to quarter four. Uh, so we're recording all this out of order. I'm going solo with Abbott uh, tomorrow, which will drop in there in quarter number. Three, no, court, yeah, so Tavares court two. Anyways, Tino is back as well as uh, he wasn't around for, for the Tavares interviews, but we, we got it for court. We got so this is gonna be super confusing because you're there for quarter one, but you're not for quarter two. I'm alone for quarter three, but Evan is there <laughs> as well. So it's it's all over the place. Uh, but we're in quarter four right now, and uh, here in quarter four, 
We like to do lax class locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Lax class locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Coolbet.com is where you want to go. Why do you want to go there, you may ask me. I'm about to tell you, and that's because uh, who does not like free money? Free money from Coolbet. All you have to do is register, sign up for an account, and then before you make your first time deposit, use the bonus code LAXCLASS. LAXCLASS is the bonus code, and what that will do for you is Coolbet will match you up on your first-time deposit up to 200 smackaronis. What a deal. You put in 200, they just give you 200 free dollars. I, I'm still wondering why people are sitting on the fence on this. Do you not want free money? I well, do. let me give you something, and that is, hint, hint, go click on the promotions tab on the very top, there's a little bit of a special surprise in there. Mm. So let's just, let's just put it that okay. way. Promotions tab. And also in that search bar, once you're signed up and you get your free money and all that, search bar lacrosse classified and you will see this week's parlay for our lax class locks. And Evan, you've been clamoring, whining, complaining for like the last three weeks that you want to get a PLL bet in on our parlay since the PLL season has started. And we don't have any uh, prop bets at our disposal, so I have finally granted you permission (laughs) to use a PLL bet in our upcoming parlay. I will go first. I am on the Bandits train here, fellas. I know it was a a one-goal win, and it may come down to that again. It may not, but I just... I think Matt Vince is just going to come and just shut the door here on Colorado. I think Buffalo is just going to be a little too much for the Mammoth. I mean my words, but I'm going with it this week, fellas. Buffalo at minus one and a half. Tino, you're the over-under guy. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I just think Colorado is going to be fired up, uh, playing with some desperation in front of the, the loud house there. I'm going with the over, what is 23 and a half, 23 and a half. So you, you're, you're thinking We're go- I'm going with the over. I think, you know, Zed Williams toured me, uh, this last weekend. I he, uh, he couldn't get it done, uh, with the first goal. Oh, again. So man. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to come out swinging on my behalf. And I think he's going to put in, he's going to put in six. Zed Williams is going to put in six. Six. I know yeah. uh, Danny got got in on the the prop bets there. First person to score a goal in the series. Tyson Gibson was just too tantalizing not to sprinkle the, the plus 3,000. <laughs> so she went after that. But then hedged her bets on Josh Byrne and Dane Smith, who scored the next two goals in the game. So uh, that was a little tough to, not bad. to swallow there. Didn't cash, but... <laughs> Who had uh, McIntyre getting the first goal? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, the, you could, there wasn't an option. You had to take the field. Yeah, anyone else. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, Buffalo minus one and a half. Tino's going over 23 and a half. And, Evan, your PLL bet of the your lax class lock here for the PLL. This is a tough one because the odds makers. That's not what I want to hear job. right out of the no, game, it, 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 it is. <laughs> it, it was. It, they did a very good job. 
and I will say that. But there's one that I think is a bit of a anomaly there, and that is Chrome playing very well. Well, we'll see if Mike Messenger is suspended or not. No, but... come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, well, you know what? Like, And I'll say this. Those that are field guys and are saying, like, this is the most devastating thing ever. Like, come on. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. like, he didn't take his stick and try and club him over the head, right? Like, it's it, it was a simple I've seen uh, the hammer do a much worse uh, inside the boards than... <laughs> Although, the commentators kind of picked up on what the heck yeah. we've known for years, that this guy's dangerous, right? Like, this yeah. guy, you don't want to try to go one-on-one with him because he'll destroy you. Redwoods really, really look bad week one. So, Chrome, minus one and a half. So they'll beat Redwoods by at least two. Okay. And you add all the odds up on this, fellas. You get a nice little plus seven, seven, seven. Which, to me, like, I mean, this is screaming victory to me when you can have the three. Isn't that what you want on the slot machines when you're when you're playing the slots? Three sevens, lucky seven. We got yeah, it. Pretty much. <laughs> So throw down yeah. 20 jumbo bucks on that. Uh, use 20 out of your free money from cool bet bonus code lax class. And you're taking home a cool bet return of 175.40. Book it. There you go. Lax class locks here in quarter number four. Uh, before we let you go, you guys got anything else you want to get off your chest here before we get you on your way? I'm just hopeful that these talks in the MSL start to oh, God. ring. Because you know what? If they don't, we're going to see more Brad Crees going west pretty oh, soon. How here. about it from Brad Cree last night at the Cam Neely Arena going over the shoulder, BTB, if you will, for a nice little tuck there in the third period. I <laughs> I actually made the comment on, on the broadcast. I said that that might be the nicest goal that Brad Cree has ever scored. And his girlfriend... <laughs> She ratted me out. She went right to Brad and said, oh, the announcer said this about <laughs> And I said, well, I followed it up with it's, it was nicer than any goal I've ever scored in the WLA. So he's like, I wasn't sure to whether to take that as a compliment or a backhanded sl- <laughs> You mean both goals? Yeah, yeah, both of them. Both. <laughs> it was better than both of my goals, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Brad Cree back uh, with the Shamrocks. We're in number 27, which I didn't. Really like all that much, but I guess his, his regular 20 wasn't available for him there. It might just be what jersey's available at this I want to say Ben McCullough might be wearing number 20 there in Victoria. He's been around for a while. So mm-hmm. so there you go. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and put down a review as well. Wherever you may be listening to your podcast, five-star reviews only. Give us a follow on social media as well, at Ferratino. At Shemlax, at PXP for sports. The show is at Lacrosse Classified on Insta. It's at Lax Class on Twitter. We got a Facebook page and an email address for your old schoolers out there, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, Stampede Tack, Rycor Construction. Uh, fourth quarter, by the way, I got to get this in because I've been totally slacking on this. Uh, Stampede Tech, I got to work in another read here, figure out how to do this uh, because we got our stallions, of course. But Stampede, I got to get two reads in for Stampede. So now that summer is just around the corner, hopefully it's a great time to think about a new hat from Stampede Tech. Stetson, Bullhide, Bailey. They have them all felt hats, straw hats, palm leaf hats, hats for the sun, hats for the rain. 
The point is, if you need a hat, Stampede Tack is where you want to go. You can shop online because it's still shopping local, stampede.ca, or you can head out there to Cloverdale. They've been there since 1966. You cannot miss it when you're rolling on Highway 10 right there at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th just jumps off the street at you. So thanks to Stampede Tack, to Associated Labels and Packaging, to Cool Bet Canada, Rycor Construction, and of course the new Westminster Sandbellies for supporting the podcast, support our sponsors. That's how you keep this sucker rolling. And now I think we are done. For Evan Scheminauer and Tino Farah, I've been Jay Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified. 